Hi, and welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. I'm Dupe, Dupe Witherick, alcohol free wellbeing and transformational coach, and the best selling author of A Cocktail of Clarity How to Ditch Drinking, Embody a Joyful New Identity, and Thrive Alcohol Free. This podcast will show you that being alcohol free is not what the traditional narrative says. And even though alcohol is so ingrained in our society that it is okay to give yourself permission to stop drinking if you want to. And you do not have to wait until you hit rock bottom. It is certainly not boring. And I believe ditching drinking is just the start to living an extraordinary life. By getting rid of this one thing, it allows the doors to open to endless possibilities and opportunities. Each week, we will have guests on who are at various stages of the alcohol-free journey, from those who are curious to those who have been alcohol-free for years. We will also have experts on talking about different topics relating to alcohol and beyond. Through these conversations, you will discover what it means to thrive alcohol-free enjoy. Hi and so welcome. Um, We have a really exciting guest today, uh, Alex McRobert and the reason I'm excited to have her on is when I stopped drinking, I um, about two months after I I stopped drinking, I discovered yoga and realised I liked it. Before that I was very much every time I went to a yoga class, I'd be laughing or I wouldn't take it seriously. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't just close my eyes and relax. But since then, I've got I've become a bit of a yogi and uh, I try to practice most evenings as part of my sort of evening routine. So Alex is just a yoga sober goddess, really. She has done hours and hours of training. She has taught so many people around the world. And um, just really excited that she's here. So welcome, Alex. Um, maybe you want to give a bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And as you mentioned, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a sober coach. And I am currently based in Bali in Indonesia. And I run sober women's retreats and sober women's yoga teacher trainings. and online programs and yeah that's pretty much what I do (laughs) fantastic fantastic so why don't we start from the beginning you know you've obviously you're doing all of this amazing stuff and helping so many people around the world but where did it all start and how did you become sober it'd be great to hear your story Yeah, absolutely so I am originally from Canada and I grew up in Toronto Ontario And when I was growing up, I would say that I had a pretty normal childhood in terms of, you know, the role alcohol played in my life and my exposure to it. Like all the adults around me drank when I, you know, got into my teenage years, everyone was drinking and partying. And I think I thought that I had a pretty normal relationship with alcohol at that point. I don't think I was drinking any more than my peers or that I thought I was. And I went away to university and I started drinking a lot more heavily. And when my drinking really escalated was when I moved overseas. So I moved first to Kuwait when I was 23. And then I later moved to Abu Dhabi. And that was just a really interesting dynamic with alcohol and me. For someone that was a pretty big party person, I moved to a dry country. 
where alcohol was completely illegal and was trying to manage and navigate that. And then I later moved to Abu Dhabi, which was like a huge party scene. Like it was kind of the opposite. It was abundantly available and people were drinking at like noon on a Friday. And it was kind of like the, you know, like the Vegas or like the party city of the region. And so my drinking really escalated over time. And in 2019, I think I had been living in Abu Dhabi for like a year and a half. And I just kind of realized, you know, I'm so depressed. I'm completely broke. And I'm so unhappy. And I knew quitting alcohol was going to be the thing that would shift all of this. And I was super afraid of getting sober. Like I, you know, I was afraid my life would change. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to socialize. I wouldn't be able to date. And all of these things were kind of holding me back. And then when I finally quit, I was, I was talking about this with someone the other day. And I was saying like, you know, all you have to do is just like take one little step every single day, you know, like I'm not going to drink today. And then, you know, I'm going to make sure I go to yoga today. And then like, I'm going to cook a meal for myself today. I'm going to read this book today. I'm going to go to therapy today. And then all these little steps just, you know, start to add up. And so I hit around 30 days sober. And at this point I was, it was really becoming clear to me, like, I'm not happy in the career I'm doing. So I was a school teacher and that was amazing because I worked internationally in private schools. And so it gave me this opportunity to move, you know, around the world and, and have these really incredible years, but I didn't actually like the career itself. <laughs> I just like living overseas and traveling and all of that. So I actually went to see a psychic and, um, and he's still really involved in my life. We were just texting like a couple hours ago, my psychic Dan. But he said to me, you know, I went into him and he said, you know, close your eyes, count down to 21, open them up. And I opened my eyes and, and he's like, you're not supposed to be a teacher. You're supposed to be a healer. And I just remember hearing this and just bawling. And for 45 minutes, I just cried in front of him where he basically told me this future that I was going to live out. And it's the future I'm living now, you know, of like, you're going to run retreats, you're going to do teacher trainings, you're going to be traveling around the world, you're going to write a book, like all of these things um, that just seem like dreams to me, but just too unattainable and too unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And what Dan really did for me was he just spoke about all my dreams as if they were definitely happening. And that was what I needed. I needed this perspective shift of like, this is for sure happening. And I would like tell people, like I would, you know, I would see my colleagues at the photocopier at work and they would be like, what are you doing next year? And I would literally, I would tell people like, I'm going to, I'm going to start this big yoga business and, and, you know, be traveling and whatever. And so, yeah, so that was really the, the flip switch for me. And then COVID hit, which for me ended up being a really, um, it, you know, it benefited me because I think it was a very tough time for everyone around the world, but for me to be in lockdown in my house at the computer, I had so much time alone in isolation to just build my business, you know, and try things and start online things and try to, you know, get my community going and, and all of that. And so during that time, I really, really built and built and built. And it was in, I think it was, 20 June of 2021 when I quit my job so it was about two years after I met the psychic um and it was about a, around a year after COVID and when I really started building and so yeah from there you know I moved to Bali and things like I'm often just like blown away by 
what my life is like now. You know, I was saying, I think I was saying to you earlier before we started recording, like today I got up, I had one, I had a group of sober women from the UK that were in for the week and I was teaching them every morning. And so we taught their last class and then I, and then I left their class and I have another group in right now from uh, Australia. So then I went over to the retreat center and taught them. And then, you know, I went to the gym, I did this float session, I had lunch and it's just a, it's a life of my wildest dreams. And I get to help people and do what I love and just have so much joy. So I'm very grateful. Sounds incredible. And how fantastic that you actually listen to Dan as well, you know, because a lot of people could sort of say, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't believe you. It's not going to happen. But the fact that you really sort of dug into that is, is amazing. And so you mentioned that you obviously were a bit of a party girl. You were in Abu Dhabi and that was like the party central. But then you said you just knew that being sober would help being alcohol free would help. How, how did you know that? That's a great question. So I think I had, I think I, gosh, how did I know? I think I just knew in my intuition for a long time that this was a problem for me. And I don't think I had accepted it or understood it. Mm. And I was definitely Googling like how to quit drinking for years And I started getting these, actually these targeted ads were really what changed my life. And I, I like to mention this because I think sometimes we think of social media as a negative thing. We think it's like a negative influence on people's lives and it can be, but in this case, it was like the biggest force for good. Because when I started Googling how to quit drinking, I started seeing all these ads for this one online program and they were sharing their ads were stories of people who had got and sober and how their life had changed. And I would read these stories and I would go to this page and I didn't follow it. I didn't like it or follow it. Cause I was like, I don't want anyone to know that this is like an issue for me, mm-hmm. but I would just read these stories and just the spark of inspiration it gave me. And I, at that point, I didn't know that there was this whole sober world out there. This was the only thing I knew. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, just kept going back to this page and reading it. And I think that was the biggest that had the biggest impact on me during that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is amazing when you, when you talk about a sober world, it is like you step into this, you could get, you know, you go through the curtains and behind is this amazing community and just people who have made this decision because it doesn't sound like there was any sort of rock bottom. It was more of a, I'm done with it really. And I know that life could be better without it. And I think a lot of people seem to think that you only stop drinking when you hit that rock bottom or when you're forced to do it. But actually, it can be a choice. And there is a, a huge, a huge world beyond that. And so many opportunities that lie beyond that as well. Absolutely. OK, so. Um, so obviously you then you know, got to the point where you had set up this business in June 2021. And so tell me a bit about sort of how, how you went about that and, and where you are now and, and what you've been doing, because I, you know, I know I won't steal your thunder, but you've been doing, you've done so much since that June 2021. So maybe um, talk through a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the community, 
me and the work I do has evolved so many times over the years. And it really started with this Zoom community in the pandemic. That's what it was. It was Zoom yoga. And I found that with the changing times, I've had to keep evolving my offerings based on what's going on, you know? So I was doing Zoom yoga for a while and I had this Zoom community and then that wasn't really working anymore when people went back to work in the pandemic and all the time zones. And so I pivoted again and what I was doing for a while, and I still am doing this, but it's not as big of a focus, but I was doing these sober challenges, um, which I'm actually hoping to bring one back in October because I haven't done one for a few months and definitely in January, but these are these 30 days sober girls yoga challenges. And we have this 60 page workbook that people are uh, completing and on-demand yoga classes and weekly meetings with meditations and journal prompts. And it's just a really amazing community builder. And so that became a really big part of my offering. I was doing this every single month. And then from there, it stemmed into these retreats. And so, you know, we get a bunch of sober women together and we've done them in Bali. We've done them in Dubai. We've done them in Mexico, Toronto. I'm trying to think if I've missed anywhere else here. Um, but I've been doing them kind of around the world. And next year I have India and Spain coming up. India's already sold out, but Spain, we still have spots and Bali, we still have spots. Wow. And then I started running these yoga teacher trainings. And so I think I've graduated like over a hundred people from my programs now, and, and they're teaching yoga around the world, which is amazing. And there's a real sobriety focus in that training as well. And so people not only learn how to teach yoga, but they learn the kind of the basic foundational coaching skills to hold space in a women's circle, a sharing circle, which, you know, I use it in the theme of sobriety, but it could really be applicable to, to lots of things like grief or, you know, pregnancy or menopause. There's so many things where these skills would be applicable. And so that's what I do. And from there, you know, I have a podcast, the sober yoga girl podcast. I also have a magazine, um, the sober girls yoga magazine. And yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I also work for a yoga teacher training school in Bali right now. So I'm their lead vinyasa teacher. And so that's less sober work. It's more, I mean, there's usually at least one or two sober people in the group because um, sobriety and yoga just like go together, but that's less of a sober focus for me. It's more yoga. And then I also have these retreats that come in. So I, I teach on these retreats. So yeah, a ton of different things going on. <laughs> wow. And um so how do you how do you manage it? One of the things I've I found when I when I stopped was the amount of time you have in your hands. And yeah. and actually you don't want to waste that time. And so you really want to be doing things that are worthwhile. And and so yeah, maybe talk a bit about that for you. I think that for me is how the company got built so quickly because I just had so much time once I got sober and I felt like I had to make up for like a decade of lost time. And so I was just like, boom, 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 boom. Like I was just working my butt off whenever I had free time. And, and, you know, I was also a full-time school teacher at that point. And so I was just working super, super, super hard. And now things have kind of eased off a little bit in that I still have a lot going on, a lot on my plate, but I'm now trying to take this mindset of like, you know, it doesn't need to, everything doesn't need to get done so urgently. So like an example of that is like the Sober Girls Yoga magazine was like 
four days late this past week because um, I didn't have something organized. Like I didn't have the yoga teacher training graduates bios and whatever and photos organized. And so I was like, you know what? It's not so urgent. I'm just going to tell everyone it's going to be late. (laughs) And so I've really shifted a little bit now into like, okay, this stuff isn't so urgent. Like we're not like doctors. Like it's not like we're, you know, in surgery, like things can take their time and I'm trying to ease off and just enjoy life a little bit more and have a little bit of balance. So Mm. that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. That's really interesting that you say that. I think, um, in the early days and maybe, you know, first couple of years, because you discover this free time and because you suddenly, I think you discover your purpose as well, don't you? And you really think about what is it you really want to do. You are just like, I want to get this done. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Um, and yeah, actually taking that Definitely. step back and then saying, okay, what is it that, what are the sort of key things? And then how do I want to manage myself and my time to not cause that stress or anxiety that potentially could come or burnout potentially if you keep going at that that urgency rate totally yeah and I think you also mentioned you know probably before we joined um or started the recording how yoga is so good for our mental health and mental well-being um Mm. so I'd love to explore that and hear a bit more about that from you your perspective yeah so I believe one of the biggest connections from yoga or with yoga to our mental health is the nervous system impacts that our yoga practice has on our nervous system so we we basically we have the two systems we have the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system and most of us live in the sympathetic nervous system, which is like the state of chronic stress and go, go, go. And um, it's often linked to, to what's called fight or flight, which a lot of us are familiar with. And this state is really valuable because it protects us in emergencies. It protects us when we need to react in, in a quick moment. And the problem is that now we are, most of us are living in that state majority of the time. And when we're in the sympathetic nervous system, a lot of our body systems shut down in order for that system to function. So our digestion is not working as well, for example. And when we're not regularly shifting into the parasympathetic nervous system, all of these systems are not functioning optimally. And so the parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. And when we're moving there, it means that we can come at things with a much more grounded state. And also our health in general, not just our mental health, but our health in all systems is better. Mm -hmm. And so yoga consistently moves us from the state of sympathetic nervous system arousal to parasympathetic nervous system arousal. And it's crucial for our well-being. And so that's why it's such an important practice. And that's one of the reasons, like as a yoga teacher, we often, it can be really common for yoga teachers to lose their practice. And the reason why is because as you start teaching yoga and you have less free time to be regularly engaging in your practice. And the, the important thing is that as teachers, we're like trying to get people into this state and give them this energy of well-being. But if we are in this state of high stress ourselves, it's really hard to facilitate that healing in others and give that healing to others. And so 
as yoga, as myself, as a yoga teacher, that's why I'm putting it on such a priority to like go to as many yoga classes as I can as a student, do as much healing as I can so that I'm constantly getting myself into that state so that I can give that to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and I do think it's a similar thing for coaches as well. We can sort of go, go, go and not actually think about or make you know make sure that we're actually looking after ourselves as well which is really important in order to give back so um yeah that's yeah really really good point um and love the explanation in a really basic way so everyone can understand which is fantastic so thanks Alex um and uh I think you know you obviously have been doing yoga for years but why don't you tell us a bit about what kicked you off with yoga because I think it was about a bit of a mood disorder that you had or uh, so maybe yeah. talk about how yoga has actually helped you with that yeah absolutely so I was actually drawn to yoga and did it for the first time when I was 10 years old so I was really really young and it was on the program at school as an activity that you could do during lunchtime and I loved it and then throughout my teenage years, I did it on and off. Like I, you know, said to my mom, I really want to go to yoga again. And she took me to a place when I was 13. And then I went somewhere else when I was 14. And then I kind of dropped off it for a few years in my teenage years. And when I hit age 18, I started to really struggle with my mental health. I was having pretty severe mood swings of depression. And then mania. So I was experiencing bipolar disorder. And I, again, it was like this innate knowing kind of like, um, kind of like knowing that I had to get sober. It was like this knowing that I had to go to yoga. And I, I do think that a, a counselor or therapist said it along the way, but I think it was also something within me that I knew that this would be a benefit. And I just had to find the right yoga teacher for me. And I think that's really important. I always say that to people because you might just find you know, the wrong style or the wrong type of yoga or the wrong teacher. And that doesn't mean that yoga isn't for you. You just have to keep trying things until you're like, oh, this clicks. So I think I went to yoga for a few months at the gym and I just didn't love it. And then I went to this studio. It was a hot yoga studio. And I just like immediately fell in love with it. And so I practiced there as a student for a year. And I think I did a 30 day challenge with them. And then I did a 60 day challenge. And I feel like at some point I took on something crazy, like a hundred and a hundred days or something. I don't think I finished that one, but <laughs> I was like addicted. I was going every single day and then I started working there. And so I cleaned the studio in exchange for free yoga. And then I worked reception and then I went overseas and did my yoga teacher training. And I knew, like I said to my parents, this is what I want to do with my life. And they were super resistant to that. And they still are, to be completely honest, like not, they aren't, they are not resistant, but they, I think they are fearful, right? And all parents want this. They want their kid to be safe and secure and they want a salary and they want to know that their kid is okay. And so I think that's really where that stems from, you know, and um, my parents have their own kind of story with money as we all do. Like my mom grew up pretty poor and my dad also saw a lot of struggles in his family with my his dad being an entrepreneur and failing and struggling. And so that's really where that comes from. And they really wanted me to stay in my, my teaching job. And it's so funny because even now, like even now I got this faculty job at this yoga teacher training school and 
my family's so happy. Like they're like, Oh my God, Alex got a job. That's so great. And I'm like, you guys realize that I make less money. <laughs> I make less money in this job than I do in my business, right? Like I'm just doing this for fun and like to meet people and to have some experience and to learn. It's not like a, it's not like a job, <laughs> but um, that's kind of what they, um, what they kind of want for me or are, are simple kind of sort of our beliefs of what, you know, the, the appropriate life path is like you, you know, you grow up, you get married, you have a kid, you have a job, go to university, whatever. And I think me being off that path has been a bit of a, uh, just a bit of a different, a different thing for them to, to see. But, uh, I can't even, I'm like, what was the question? <laughs> Am I answering the question? I don't remember. You are. <laughs> It was, it was like, it was, how did you manage your, <laughs> how did you manage sort of oh, your, your sort of was, mental well-being and the mood disorder? And I, but this is fascinating because I think a lot of people so will we'll come back to it because a lot of people decide not to do things off the back of what will other people right. think? What will right. my parents think? And they don't then go and follow those dreams and those passions because they are so used to everyone around them conforming in a certain way. And that's why you have, I think there was a, a nurse, I'm trying to think of what the book's called um, or the short story about the fact that she she was sort of an end of life nurse and she met so many people and their biggest, I think 90% or something, was the biggest regret was that they didn't actually do what they really wanted to do. Mm. And again, that was because of fear. And I always think I always say to people you know if you look forward 10 years and you make a decision to do something now and you're worried about specific people in 10 years time will those people really care will they be thinking about you does it really you know obviously with parents it's slightly different but actually if you don't do this what if you don't change what are the consequences if you don't stop drinking what are the consequences in 10 years time where will you be in 10 years time if you don't actually follow your passions where will you be and it's so easy to just conform because as you say belief systems say this is what life should look like but so many people are living a life that they just don't want so how did you navigate that and you know, you say that your parents are still not quite there, but love the fact that you have a faculty job, which is really amusing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, how did you find the strength and the sort of conviction within yourself to to actually just go for it anyway? Mm -hmm. You know, I have to say, I mean, Dan played a massive role in this, my psychic, and I would call him up all the time. I, I now no longer rely on him so heavily because I am so confident in myself and I received less of this negative feedback from my family, but my family was the biggest thing. It would really um, upset me when they would give me negative feedback on things I was doing or things I was asking them. And I have to say, one of the biggest things I've learned is to just stop telling them, <laughs> like stop telling them my ideas, stop telling them what I'm doing, stop asking for their advice and just doing it instead. And then they find out when the rest of the world does, unfortunately, um, but for example, like my move to Bali, I didn't tell either of my parents that I was moving to Bali. I just started packing up my stuff and booked a flight. And I think I told them before I got here, <laughs> but I, I, I don't tell them when I'm in the deciding factor of like, I'm thinking of doing this or, you know, I have this offer. I'm thinking about taking it because the reality is that we all have a personal 
agenda in our loved one's life of what we want them to do that's going to benefit us, Mm -hmm. right? Like the example being, we were talking earlier about, I'm thinking, I've been thinking a lot about going to Costa Rica or moving to that part of the world. And obviously my parents' personal agenda is that they'd probably like that because I would be closer to them. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to make these decisions based on like their agenda. I want it to be on what feels right for me and my intuition. And so that's been the biggest thing. I honestly, that was one reason that COVID also benefited me in the sense that I was, I was um, in Abu Dhabi for like, I didn't see my family for three years and that was hard, but I needed that distance. And I realized as soon as I got that distance, that this is actually really good for me because I'm not being around them in this baby stage of my business and, and hearing and hearing some negative feedback. And so, you know, at the, the, the most extreme was I actually kind of me and my dad lost contact for a little while because of some of the the things. And, and we're finally now kind of in this healing part of our relationship where we're connected again. And so I'm not saying that like you have to lose contact with your family, but um, for me, just the space and distance helped me to create and believe in myself and keep going. And then when now they look at me now and, and they're like, okay, <laughs> we were wrong, <laughs> you know? And so I just had to get to that confident point and, and then kind of reintegrate. Hmm. So then what, maybe what tips would you give to anyone who's a person who's listening, who, you know, is thinking maybe I do, you know, has maybe stop drinking for a little bit and starting to think about purpose and vision and what, what they want to do or, is you know curious and thinking that this could be something that they want to do what what tips would you give them to sort of get on with it and I know you talked about baby steps um earlier but is there anything else that's you know tangible yeah I mean I would say definitely just do it uh just do it you will never you will be blown away by the impact that removing alcohol has on your life, just in, you know, self-confidence and anxiety and well-being. Like once you, that's phase one, just do it for a little break. Just be like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever is doable and just start from there. And then the more, you know, we're talking about this in, in one of my classes. I teach this yoga sutra study class and, and we talk a lot about like intuition and developing your intuition and listening to your intuition. And it's not like you're trying to turn something on with your intuition. Like your intuition is always there. You're just trying to turn off everything that's blocking that. And so like, for example, we're not going to be able to come to an answer or conclusion about something. If we're just sitting doom scrolling on our Instagram and TikTok for like hours on end, (laughs) like you need to get silent and still, and often the answers will come. And so I would encourage, like, I know I have trouble with, with discipline around my phone, for example, like I'm always on my phone, but if it works for you to find a place where that can be facilitated, like go for yoga classes, go for sound healing, go for, you know, go to a psychic, just be open to anything that comes your way. And I think the answers will start to, will start to reveal themselves. And then the little by little baby steps along the way. Hmm. yeah yeah and it's and it's really it really is you know for me it was I took a break for 21 days and I didn't actually think I'd do those 21 days and you know I'm approaching three years and uh, alcohol free and you just think 
it is those little steps and during those 21 days there were so many things that were sort of saying to me you need to do this for a bit longer you need to do this for a bit longer and it and you know and it builds and so I absolutely agree that you know just taking that step and and again if it's something that you've been dreaming about take that first step you know buy the domain buy the you know go and sort of talk to someone who's doing something similar that you want to do just take a step forward and then see see what happens so absolutely um love that agree with that um okay so maybe we go back to the sort of yoga with I always think people think it's very much a mental well-being health piece yoga it's about breathing it's about being still but there is a huge physical side to yoga as well and I like to think that it it helps with both your mental and your physical health combined um so maybe we we touch a bit more about the sort of mental health well-being piece but then also the physical side of yoga and how that how that can help you yeah absolutely so it depending on which style of yoga you're doing it can be a really physical and active practice so there's practices like i teach vinyasa yoga on the 200 hour yoga teacher training faculty that I'm on and we're doing like we're doing 10 minute abs to Taylor Swift in the morning and we're cultivating so much strength like the strength training the planks and often you know this morning I was helping someone get up into headstand for the first time it was just amazing the arm balances and so there's like the strength side of it. I also teach a class called sweat, which has a cardio element and, and like a little bit of weightlifting. So I do that. And then the benefit on your body for flexibility. So I, I also do a lot of strength training at the gym aside from my yoga practice. So I do boxing and like uh, heavy weightlifting. And for me, just slowing down and doing like a deep yin practice and stretching through the muscles. So if you're really active, maybe as a runner or a cyclist or anything like that, a yin style practice can really complement that type of activity that you're doing. So there's so many different types of yoga that can enhance your physical well-being in whatever your goals are, really. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, as I said, I started yoga a couple of months in and then I started running. And so I um, did a 10, 10K program initially and then went on to do a couple of half marathons. And then I ran the London Marathon in April. And I think combining that with doing yoga was just amazing. And I know a number of runners who also combine sort of yoga and running and that's their sort of thing. So um like love the fact you touched on that um and the fact that you do other things and not just yoga is really is interesting as well and I think that's it's it's overall sort of maintaining your health isn't it and a lot of people say they want to stop drinking because they want to maybe lose weight and I never say I always say that's not the thing to focus on you want to focus on the stopping drinking part, part first and everything else will come but I do think by having a a, prex, a a practice or an exercise or some sort of movement is really key from day one even if it's just going for a walk in nature or um you know doing some sort of really light exercise um doing that at the beginning is is great but people then go on and do lots of different um exercises and 
practices and I always I think actually with most of those things so if you're a swimmer or if you're you know a lot of people do cold water swimming if you are you know a cyclist runner yoga has its place doesn't it and it's definitely becoming a thing that a lot of people go to especially once they've stopped drinking yeah what have you found in your clients um in terms of like what physical exercise they're doing to complement it or Mm, yeah um you know what? It, it totally varies. I have some runners, like I have a marathon runner who's in my, uh, sutra study class. Um, trying to think what other, what other things people do. I have people, I mean, I used to be a big cyclist, a big spinner. I don't do it anymore. Unfortunately, just because there's no spinning studio in Ubud. Otherwise I would be doing it. There's one in, there's one on the Island of Bali. That's like an hour away. And so I go when I can, but, um, that was a big practice for me. And that really benefits because it's cardio. Um, and so that's a great pair Hmm. and yeah, there's, there's tons of different, um, people have lots of different combinations and things, walking, hiking. Mm. It's really, I kind of try to do a mix of like everything in everything that I can with, with most regularly I do boxing. I love boxing. Um, the boxing and weightlifting, I have a personal trainer that I meet with like four times a week here in Bali. And, um, it's also good for me to get some outside input other than yoga teachers. Cause I can just get really absorbed in my little yoga spiritual world. And, I like having my trainer because he just has like a totally different, like he doesn't do any yoga. He plays basketball. He is a trainer and he's just like a different perspective on life than me. And that's really healthy. I think to, to have different uh, influences and conversations and perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think you're right. I think it's, it's that, um, it's easy to get absorbed in a certain thing, isn't it? It's a little bit like the alcohol-free movement. I say to myself every now and again, I'll... (laughs) And then you suddenly find yourself in this situation and you're like, oh my goodness, the world is still drinking and it's just me, you know? But when you're in that bubble, you're in the community and you you absorb yourself, you do do forget that there are, um, there's still a whole world of people who, you know, don't get this at all. Um, So... Why don't we touch on um, thriving alcohol-free? So it was a question I asked to everybody. And um, what would you say thriving alcohol-free means to you? I think thriving alcohol-free is being sober, but seeing the joy and the benefit and the positive that it brings to your life and not being focused on the drawbacks or the disadvantages thriving to me means looking at it from a lens of like all the amazing things this is adding to my life all the benefits this is adding to my life and how much better things are sober as opposed to not yeah yeah it's definitely jomo over fomo isn't it the joy of missing out versus the, yes. the fear so yeah, i absolutely agree with that um no, that's I love that. And I think a lot of people do think they're giving things up or they're depriving themselves. And with Sabre October coming up, it's interesting because I think you get two camps of people who do Sabre October. You get the people who literally want to get to the last day. And as soon as that's so the first of November comes, they're, you know, drinking because they've felt 
that they've been white knuckling it the whole time and they haven't really it's just I've got to stop I've got to stop I'm not got, uh, yeah, I'm not going to drink today I'm not going to drink today but it's not done in a sense of what can I actually benefit what what benefits can I get from this or what can I learn by doing this it's more of a everyone's doing sober October I should probably do it and and get there and you know if you're like me I did dry Januaries and stopped drinking for Lent's and I'd get to day five and then think well I can drink on the weekends and not drink <laughs> not drink during the week and then you end up drinking on the weekends and and then before you know it you feel you felt like you failed and so you just don't bother doing the rest of the month um so what tips would you maybe give to someone who is looking to do sober October and other than your 30-day challenge of course um and would you know would want to potentially stop for for that period of time but do it in a way that doesn't feel like they're depriving themselves yeah absolutely so I think the key pivotal thing for me was to find community and what that community looks like is up to you, whether like I joined an online, uh, an online challenge group. I didn't know that there was anything else out there other than this one group. And that is what got me through my first 28 days, this group going, logging on, reading the posts, contributing, connecting, making friends. So I would say that that is number one. And then number two is just find something else to do other than drink. So, you know, have your go-to things of like, I'm going to go, I was going to the gym a lot in when I first got sober and like being really active. So going to the gym, trying to make, I was super lucky in that I, I was at that gym for a while. I was teaching yoga there. And so I already had a bit of a friend group there that was a bit more health minded or health focused Mm -hmm. than my uh, colleague worlds because my colleagues were all big partiers in Abu Dhabi and I really had to disconnect from them and being able to find other people to socialize with. So I still felt like I was being social, but I had some, some sober friendships really made a big difference for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then maybe line up some other supports. Like I was super lucky. I had some counseling through my workplace that was supporting me through my first, I think I had a counselor for like the first three months sober but finding some kind of support like that, whether it's a counselor, a coach, someone that can really kind of be in your corner and talk you through all of these things mm-hmm. can be massively helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Really agree with that. Um, and hopefully that was helpful for you if you're listening, because I think, you know, you're obviously here curious or you are at the beginning of the journey or maybe you're you know a couple of months in but still not quite you haven't quite found your groove you haven't quite found what it is that this whole alcohol free things about when we talk about the joys and everything else but you know definitely there's some great tips there for you to to think about uh, if you want to you know if you're going on this journey okay so I think you also have a book club is that right I do. Yeah. Yes. So I have a book club and we have two books this month because last month's book, I, I messed up the scheduling for the meeting with the author. So, um, last month's book for September was the drink less live better book. And this is a totally free book club. And the author is Sarah Williamson, who's pretty involved in the mind life practice community. Mm-hmm. And then the book for October is Amanda Kuda's new book, Unbottled Potential. And so she's a sober influencer in, I believe she's in Austin, Texas. And so we'll be reading that as a community. So if you're listening and you just want to get involved in a 
in a really easy way. Grab, pick up one of those books, read the book. We meet on Sundays at 9 a.m. Eastern. I think it's, I think it's 2 p.m. British Standard Time. And uh we we have that meeting every single Sunday, but it's only for members on um, most weeks. And then the third Saturday of the month is when we have the book club. But this month in October, we have a book club on the second Saturday and the third Saturday. So we have two book clubs. <laughs> so you're welcome to join if you're listening and you're, you know, you're curious about getting involved. It's a great place to start. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And have you thought of writing a book yourself, Alex? I actually have written a book. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I wrote a book in 2020. Okay. And it's a book about my mental health and my sober journey. And it's interesting because I was so eager to to publish it when I did write it. And mm. it's been sitting on the shelf for a long time, like sitting on the imaginary shelf, like sitting in my hard drive on my computer for a long time. And I yeah. tried to pitch it to some, uh, some agents and publishers, unsuccessful, very defeating. And in the time that it's been on my hard drive, I've had a lot of time to evolve and grow as a person. And I think my message has massively evolved too. And so like looking back at some of the things that I wrote in that book, reading it again, years later, I was like, that's not really the point Mm -hmm. of this book. You know, that's not really the focus. And I'm working on it with an editor now. And I was actually speaking to my business coach about it the other night. And I was saying to her, like, my, I think my, I've evolved so much as a person and now everything it's like, okay, what's the point of this book? Are these aspects of the book supporting the purpose or not? And how can I write a book that's going to cause the least harm? And so for example, you know, I mentioned my dad and there's a, we all kind of have stories from our childhood or family or things that really, um, affected us. And, and there's a lot of, stuff on that side of my family that's really affected affected me and it's for a long time it's been like does this have a place in the book should I remove it blah 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 and I finally come to this point of like okay I'm in this healing point with my dad where I understand that he's just like a person trying to do the best he can and it's his first time being a parent and you know and so maybe that can just all be out of the book because it's not really crucial to the point of the story and so I think in me having four years with this thing on my hard drive or three years or however long it's been, it's actually been really positive. So the goal is that it's going to come out in December of this year. And I'm working on the last edit of it right now. And, um, that's the goal. Fantastic. And do we, can we, do you have a title that you're going to share or? Yeah. You know, what's funny that the title of the book is sober yoga girl. And this this book is where this whole brand came from, like the podcast, the name, this all, this was what the book was called. And then I was like, okay, I've called the book that. So then I need to kind of use it for other things. And it's so funny because now it's taken on a life of its own. And the original thing all came from this book. So the book is called Sober Yoga Girl. And I do have a couple of other book ideas in the works. Um, Like one is more about yoga philosophy and I've been working on that ever since I moved to Bali kind of here and there. It's like little essays and, mm-hmm. um, but that is going to wait until So Real Girl first <laughs> gets out there. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. They all say, they do say we all have a book in us, but it sounds like you've got a few. So excited to read that and see those when they come out. So 
Brilliant. Well, Alex, it's been delightful. It's been so lovely to speak to you and um, really appreciate you being on. Is there anything you want, any last thing you want to sort of tell people about or um, mention here before we close? Yeah, I'll I'll share that if you're interested in getting involved in the community, I have a free Sober Girls Yoga Facebook group. So check that out. And within my online things, you could do a 30-day Sober Girls Yoga Challenge. And then I have some international retreats on the calendar next year. So just get in touch if you're interested in any of this. You don't have to be fully sober to join any of it. We get lots of sober curious women, people at all stages in their journey. And uh yeah, I hope to meet you. And thank you so much, Dupe, for having me. It's just been amazing to meet you. And I, I appreciate the opportunity so much. It's been great meeting you, Alex. And thank you. So, um, so yeah, I will speak to you soon. Really, really been a pleasure. And um, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Take care. Thank you. You too. Well, thank you, Alex, for sharing your story. It was really lovely to speak to you and just hear more about how yoga can really benefit you if you are on this alcohol-free journey or if you're curious about becoming alcohol-free. And of course, it does help you thrive alcohol-free. So thank you for listening. And I do hope you found this episode helpful. If you want to get in touch, if you want to review or rate the show, um, definitely subscribe so you know when the next one lands. They come out every Thursday. And um, if you want to get in touch, if you have some ideas on topics you want to hear about or if you have any questions that maybe you want me to answer on the podcast, then I'm happy to do it. Feel free to get in touch on at Instagram on at Thrive Alcohol Free or on my website www.thrivealcoholfree.com. Well, I hope you do have a wonderful week and I will see you again on the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you get alerted every time I drop a new episode. I'd love it if you could rate, review and share this episode. Feel free to tag me on Instagram at Thrive Alcohol Free and follow me for daily tips. If you'd like to work with me, I offer one-to-one coaching sessions and have my signature Thrive Alcohol Free Society group coaching program. If you're not yet ready for coaching, I also have a self-paced online course, which is a companion to my book, A Cocktail of Clarity. All the links are in the show notes. I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful week. Take care.